With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. The conversation continues with Brian McLean and Steve Hook at State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Yes, this is State of the Nation, hour number two on TNT Radio with me, Steve Hook. Normally, Brian Hesher McLean would be joining us. I'm happy to say that he will be back in studio tomorrow, so we're very happy about that. Of course, you can check us out live uh, on TNT Radio on the TNT Radio website. That's tntradio.live. Also, all of your other streaming services. And don't forget, you can even watch us on Rumble, YouTube. Hell, the TNT Radio uh, website that I mentioned has got the live stream as well. So check that out. Uh, well, we got no, we got a big second hour, but I wanted to touch on this. This is... Uh, you know, this is just a story that I, I wish I didn't have to say, but it's just so typical of the left. Boston's Democratic mayor. Have you heard about this story? She's coming under fire because, uh, well, she apologized for causing offense because she sent out an invitation to, uh, well, I'll just read it to you. Michelle Wu is her name, and she drew criticism Wednesday after her aide sent out holiday party invites to all members of the Boston City Council. And the, uh, the headline of the uh, of the invite said, Electeds of Color Holiday Party. So there are seven Caucasians on the City Council. She immediately found out about this and went, whoa, 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 whoa. And she sent out a letter saying, I'm sorry, this wasn't meant for you. We didn't mean to send this out to everyone. And yeah, it's just for people of color. This is this is racialism. This is racism, is what it is. In the name of uh, diversity, uh, uh, you know, and inclusion, uh, this is the kind of crap that they pulled. Now it should be pointed out that Michelle Wu's husband is very Caucasian. In fact, he's got the most Caucasian name ever. Connor is his name. I don't know if Connor is going to be attending the party, but. At any rate, it's causing quite a bit of backlash for Mayor Wu in Boston. And, of course, the left is quick to you know, say, oh, well, these are people that have been marginalized. Marginalized by who? How about you just have a party for the city council? There's an idea. Just we're, we're, not, we're not black. We're not white. We're not Asian. We're not Hispanic. We're Bostonians, and we're going to have a holiday party. There's an idea, but I guess that just is lost on them. Identity politics, man, it's the scourge of this country right now. And it's uh and it is used as a cudgel by the left. And sometimes that sword has two edges. And in this case, uh Michelle Wu cut herself with that sword. What what an absolute travesty. Uh also, um, as we were just talking to Charles Marino uh about the border, kind of this is connected, I guess. We're talking about fentanyl here. Uh, and this is a very scary situation. The Senate report, a Senate report sounds the alarm on a surge of fentanyl deaths among elder Americans. It's being called the silent epidemic. New Senate report is sounding an alarm about the surge of deaths from synthetic opioids such as fentanyl among older Americans. Now you say, well, what's going on? A bunch of, uh, you know, a, b- a bunch of uh, geriatrics are, are, are buying uh, cocaine? No. But a lot of them do go on the black market to get cheap drugs, prescription drugs. And now we know that many, if not most of these drugs, 
have been laced with fentanyl. And now we're seeing not only kids dying, every other week you read a story about some kid chewed a gummy bear at a nursery school, and now they've been rushed to the hospital. Just one more reason why our wide open southern border, uh, intentionally wide open southern border, is killing Americans by the hundreds of thousands since the border is left wide open. So there's the latest. The report cites statistics showing that overdose deaths from synthetic opioids uh, have uh, among elderly have increased over 53% in a single year. We've got to get to the bottom of this. And we got and here, here's the bottom of it. It's pretty simple. Close the damn border. They won't do it, but uh maybe next year we'll get a president that will do it. Hey, are you enjoying listening to uh, TNT Radio? We certainly hope you enjoy listening to us. If you think we're doing a good job, then let us know, why don't you? Leave us a like or a positive review on Facebook or Gab or Getter and help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Your voice heard here. The government needs to step up and do its job. Today's News Talk Radio TNT. Okay, well, you thought the the ruckus's story last hour was good. Listen to this. Two Washington State Democrats, imagine that, recently introduced legislation that would make the use of gas-powered lawn equipment, such as lawnmowers and leaf blowers, illegal, with violators facing a fine and possibly even jail time. Here with the story, joining me once again, TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Ruckus, I swear to God, these people are becoming more openly tyrannical with each and every passing hour, it seems. What's the story here? This is pretty ridiculous. Um, I I don't know about you, Steve, but I could uh, come up with 101 different, I don't know, I'm not encouraging anyone to break the law, but fun things that you could probably do that would land you in jail, right? But uh, using a leaf blower, a lawnmower, and now I I might spend a whole year in jail. Uh, Come on, this is crazy. Thank goodness I do not live in Washington state, but I imagine this is probably being talked about and explored and or probably already implemented in other places around the nation, uh, I'm sad to report. But this bill is House Bill 1868, which uh, related to reducing emissions from outdoor power equipment and was introduced by Washington State Representatives Amy Wallen and Liz Berry, both shocker Democrats. Uh, They introduced this on December 5th. The media is just picking up on it now. And here we are reporting about it under the measure operating a new gas powered lawnmower or leaf blower that is produced on or after January 1st, 2026 would be deemed a gross misdemeanor punishable by prison time. Cannot make this stuff up. Violators of the law would be subject to penalties provided in the revised code of Washington, consisting of a fine of up to ten thousand dollars and one year in jail or imprisonment in the county jail for up to 364 days or by both for each separate violation. That's right. Uh, The term, quote unquote, outdoor power equipment is defined in the bill as, quote, equipment designed or marketed for use in an outdoor setting in the management of vegetation, landscaped outdoor spaces or built spaces that is powered by an engine that produces a gross 
horsepower, not that kind of gross, of less than 25 or is designed to produce less than 25 horsepower, end quote. This includes vegetation cutting equipment, leaf blowers, leaf shredders, leaf vacuums, soil tillers, soil cultivators, wood chippers, presser, pressure washers, snow blowers, and more. Meanwhile, vegetation cutting equipment includes lawn mowers, hedge trimmers, string trimmers, brush cutters, and more. According to the proposed law, the Washington State Department of Ecology would have a January 1st, 2026 deadline to, quote, adopt rules to prohibit engine exhaust and evaporative emissions from new outdoor powered equipment, uh, end quote. Yeah, uh, the bill states, quote, gasoline powered and diesel powered landscaping and other outdoor power equipment emit a host of air pollutants, including nitrogen oxides, particulate matter, carbon dioxide and other pollutants contributing to climate change and negatively impacting public health, end quote. Mm -hmm. The measure cites one calculation by the United States Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, that gas powered garden mowers contribute a whopping 5% of the nation's air pollution. Uh, the EPA also estimates that over 17 million gallons of fuel, mostly gasoline, are spilled each year while refueling lawn equipment. I mean, we can't just give these people funnels. we got to make it a crime instead. Uh, anyways, the bill continues, quote, nationally, the Department of Transportation data shows that one hour of running a gas lawnmower can contribute as much smog-forming pollution as driving a passenger car 300 miles. One hour of running a gas leaf blower can contribute as much smog forming pollution as driving a passenger car 1,100 miles, end quote. The correlations they come up with to, to sell their points are ridiculous. Uh, the lawmakers also list a number of health issues they claim are tied to new gas-powered lawn equipment, including that they cause asthma, hearing loss, and, quote, other health issues, especially for workers who regularly use them, end quote. Well, why can't we just come up with a vaccine? I mean, anyway, uh, additionally, the noise from gas-powered equipment can be a nuisance, the lawmakers note, pointing to some communities enacting restrictions on the use of commercial lawn equipment. Instead, the lawmakers suggest a transition to, quote, cleaner, all-electric lawn and garden equipment, end quote, with the bill stating that our friends in the industry that make these things are about to make a lot of money. Oh, wait, that's not what it says. Uh, it says, quote, the technology and consumer markets are ready, end quote, for such a transition. Uh, they wrote, quote, in some instances, electric and battery-operated equipment are just as powerful as gas and more efficient, end quote. Uh, but Steve, doesn't that mean if you already have gas-powered equipment, you got to go spend your hard-earned money that, you know, you can't already, as is, afford food for your family, but now you got to buy new lawn equipment so you don't face a $10,000 penalty or jail time? What do you think about this one? I, I think that if I lived in Washington State, I would take a lawnmower, I would start it up, and I would go park it on the lawn of, of the governor and say, screw you. I, this This is so maddening. We laugh about it. It is funny. It's just a bill. It hasn't been passed. But Jay Inslee is is the uh, governor of Washington, so we'll see if it gets any traction. I, I yeah, these these progressive they are insane. They are absolutely insane. Global warming is a sham. AGW anthropogenic global warming is a con. Everybody knows it. But these people are tyrants. And as, as I was just talking a little while ago, tyrants are going to tyrant, man. This is what they do, all for our good, don't you know? 
I'm I'm disgusted by them, man. I, I really do hope America wakes up to this. There's a reason that people are fleeing these states like rats from a sinking ship. And it's because of crap like this. And you're right. You're right, Ruckus. Yes, now I've got to go replace a leaf blower, repa- replace a lawnmower, and God forbid I've got a car. It's a it's a it's a V6. Gotta replace that. All for my own good. Yeah, well, pound sand. Uh none of these people should be reelected. But, you know, the people in Washington state are kind of nutty, at least in Seattle they are. And, uh, you know, don't even get me started on Oregon and Portland and all these people are absolute nuts. I'm just uh, infuriated. What are the odds that it will pass, do you think, uh, Ruckus? I mean, has there been any backlash on this story inside Washington state, do you think? A little bit, uh, certainly from um, conservative pundits, uh, folks like you and I, alternative media, stuff like that. Um but yes, I do honestly think this will pass. Are you kidding? This is this is post-pandemic world. Uh, it's 2023, almost wrapping up. They're talking about a change that would go into effect in 2026. They just finished their COP28 propaganda, save the planet garbage. You notice the language, how they're tying it all together to include not only uh, the harms to the environment, but also a public health uh, issue. Yeah. Hello, people, you did this to yourselves by not saying no to the, you know, tyrannical lockdowns during the pandemic. This is what we get. This is what we tried to warn you about, that they were going to do this over and over again, and they're going to do it. So, yeah, I think this will pass. Um, and to your point about the cost of the equipment, uh, according to the Orange County Register, commercial grade electric powered outdoor equipment can cost anywhere from 15 to 300 percent more upfront prior to factoring in the cost of batteries, chargers, other potential electrical upgrades that may be required to keep them running throughout the day. Then of course you gotta pay for the electricity to charge those suckers. Uh, A commercial electric backpack leaf blower may cost $100 or more when compared to its gas counterpart, according to the publication. Uh, As far as pushback goes, speaking to the Capitol Press on Wednesday, Washington Contract Loggers Association Executive Director Jerry Bonogsky said large commercial chainsaws are under generally 25 horsepower and cautioned that electric chainsaws could actually be dangerous. Uh huh. He said, quote, electric chainsaws are not going to work for our industry. What you see out there may work for homeowners, possibly some light landscaping, but for commercial operations, it's not going to be efficient enough or productive enough. And then, you know, there's the safety factor to consider. But if they want to say, Steve, that the noise is a, a public health uh, problem, I'm kind of more concerned about that language because pretty soon we might see people walking around wearing face masks, face shields, the full suit and earmuffs, you know, in the name <laughs> of public health safety. It reminds me of the line in uh, the Tommy song. Uh, so put on your eye shades, put in your earplugs, you know where to put the cork. Shut up while you're at it. Uh, yeah, it, I, I, you know, I tell you, it's stories like this that always reaffirm my faith that my absolute hatred of progressive policies is well-founded. This is absurd on top of absurd on top of absurd. And anybody that would support this is is just uh, is a clown. Anyway, thanks for uh, thanks for getting me fired up, though. Uh, hopefully uh, the people in Washington have enough sense to kick these uh a-holes out of office. We shall see. Ruckus, God bless, brother. We'll talk to you tomorrow, man. Thanks so much. Thanks, Steve. We'll talk to you tomorrow. You got it. All right. You're listening to State of the Nation on TNT Radio, and we've got, well, we've got another two great guests to go. Coming up on the other side, we're going to be joined by Stefan Padfield. 
He's from the Free Energize Pro- uh, Free Enterprise Project. He's the uh, deputy director. And we're going to talk with him about the growing encroachment, kind of what we were just talking about there with Ruckus, the growing encroachment of federal government and how the government, Big Daddy Gov, is coming to crush your liberties and take your freedom all in the name of your own good, don't you know? We'll be right back on TNT Radio after this. TNT Radio's Hervoy Morich. Approximately 650,000 Ukrainian men aged 18 to 60 have left Ukraine for Europe since the start of the war. It's a tough spot if your country is being invaded. Uh, that's one thing and you're a, a male and a citizen. Um, but you know, if, the war, if it's a globalist war, I wouldn't want to participate in these banker globalist wars, and most of them just uh, are. Hervoy Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Chief Division Counsel and DOJ have approved a no-knock breach. We want the subject to be on display, doing the walk of shame, full visual impact. Any questions? Are we becoming a police state? Government told American citizens they couldn't go to church on Sunday. For the first time in my life, I'm saying to myself, am I going to get a knock at the door? FBI warrant, come to the door now! The Patriot Act and FISA were used against Donald Trump. These individuals have commissioned the biggest propaganda play in U.S. history. They don't go after the people that rigged the election. They go after the people that want to find out what the hell happened. We don't need to have a crime. What we need is a person to look at. And then we go find out what crime you did. FBI! Our focus is shifting. Our main priority as a bureau is going to be domestic terrorism. It really paints anybody who's right of center. If you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic, they define you as radical. These are anti-government. We have freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Violent extremists, and they must be dealt with. We can do anything we want. It's what we do best. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right. Well, uh, Big Daddy government is getting very, very greedy. Greedy for more and more power as they continue their encroachment into the private sector. Most recently, the SEC of all organizations is doing its level best to enforce this idiotic DEI policy concerning NASDAQ companies on board diversity. Let's break down this overreach with Stefan Padfield. Stefan is the deputy director of the Free Energy uh, Free Enterprise Project. Stefan, welcome to State of the Nation. And I, my first question to you is, what in the hell is the SEC doing, uh, trying to push this on companies, on private companies? What is this all about? Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me. And uh, I will say that this is a question a lot of people are asking. Uh, Your uh, viewers may be aware of the fact that we have essentially appealed 
the case that went before the Fifth Circuit, where uh, the court there, three democratically appointed uh, or Democrats uh, appointed judges sided with uh, the SEC. We've now appealed that and some uh, state AGs, I think 19 state AGs are uh, on our side supporting en banc review. But to break it down, basically what's going on is you have the SEC supporting this rule by NASDAQ, right? So these exchange rules, we've got New York Stock Exchange, NASDAQ are basically the two biggest. Uh, and, th and they put out their own rules that companies that want to list with them have to follow. And so NASDAQ promulgates this rule that essentially requires corporations to either have two directors that meet these diversity uh, uh, quotas, essentially, or at least explain why. Uh, and the SEC has to approve that rule, just like it has to approve all rules. So our suit is against the SEC, saying that it has exceeded its authorization and also violated the Constitution by basically pushing this diversity agenda. So why are they doing it? Uh, again, it's a bit of a head to head scratchers. One of the most important things we would look to is whether or not this is material information information. But the SEC itself, in supporting the rule, has said, we've looked at all the studies and we actually can't find a business case for these diversity measures, right? Uh, so it's it's basically a wash at the end of the day. Both sides have their studies that they trot out, but there's not a material case to be made that the bottom line is improved by increasing diversity when you look at all the studies in, in total. And you know the SEC would have wanted to support that proposition if it could. So that's off the table. It's not a material reason. Uh, so then they start starting citing things like, well, there's a market failure. We've got too many disclosures around ESG and diversity, so we need to step in and have a rule. Well, it's always a bit tricky when the government starts citing market failure, right? Because on the one hand, they're suggesting there's this value proposition, but somehow the market isn't answering it. Uh, and that is problematic and leads to all sorts of government interference. So those are some of the issues that are rumbling around here with this uh, SEC support of this diversity rule by NASDAQ. I just, I just find it absolutely absurd that the Security and Exchange Commission is getting involved in pushing a political agenda regarding DEI. And I mean, we're, we're, we're seeing this all over the place. These, these leftists are so out of control. I loved your piece, by the way, uh, saying, hey, SEC, stay in your lane. Uh, how is how do you think this is going to shake out? I mean, is the SEC going to prevail here? Or are they going to be able to basically say, you've got to hire who we say you've got to hire or else we're going to come after you? I mean, surely that's we're not there yet. Well, let me just uh, pick up really quickly on your use of the word absurd, because one of the things that I focused on, again, there's a number of challenges that we bring up in the legal case, but one of the things I focused on uh, in the article that's linked to the piece that you just mentioned, uh, which is stay in your lane, which is on our uh, site, nationalcenter.org, uh, is basically that the rule itself, even if you buy all the sort of narrative around uh, market failure and diversity as a value proposition, this rule itself uh, doesn't do that because it allows those two spots to be uh, satisfied by self-identification, right? So, and does this expressly when it comes uh, to the, the case of women. So you could literally have a, a nine-person board of, of, of nine white males, and if one of them identifies as a woman and another identifies as black, because they also use self-identified when they talk about other uh, minority uh, uh, criteria, uh, that would be diverse according to this rule. So even if you 
accept all the other uh, sort of justifications, this rule should not stand on that basis alone. It's just absurd on its face. And I think one of the points uh, that I've made and others have made is it's essentially uh, telling women we're going to solve gender equality by just bringing in men who identify as women, right? So with friends like these, who needs enemies if you're looking for, uh, for women's equality? But as far as uh, handicapping the case itself, uh, I do think it's an uphill battle because, again, these courts uh, give a tremendous amount of deference to these, these administrative agencies. We think we have some good arguments to make. There's a state action issue, right? So is the SEC, like, do our constitutional claims have legs? Is the SEC involved enough to make this state action? That's also a, a hard uh, a road to hoe, so to speak. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. I do think that some of this is percolating all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. And we've got some cases before the U.S. Supreme Court right now that are looking to significantly rein in this deference, right, to these administrative agencies to essentially pick where their boundaries are in terms of their authority and essentially pick what counts and doesn't for uh, issues like, uh, you know, business purpose and so on. Uh, so, so even if this particular case that hopefully will get picked up by the entire uh, Fifth Circuit uh, doesn't, we don't win ultimately, uh, I think there's still some tremendous momentum towards reining in some of these uh, agencies, including the SEC. Yeah, because I've got to think that people are just getting at. Well, I know anecdotally, I know I, I'm fed up with it. And I know that a lot of people, when you talk to them about this stuff, they're like, how absolutely crazy. So let me just get this straight, uh, Stefan. So if you and I both Caucasian dudes and seven other people that were all Caucasian, men, women, doesn't matter, are on this board and we want to satisfy the SEC with this DI, uh, DEI BS. I could just say, you know what? I woke up today feeling like a transgender Asian woman. Bam, I'm I'm approved and there's diversity, right? May not be true, but I'm saying it's true just to get around this idiotic uh, 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 initiative. Is that what you're saying? Yes. And as written, <laughs> the rule allows for these uh, categories to be satisfied by self-identification. And I think what's really interesting about this uh, is it is one of these examples of how the left, if you basically just leave them alone, they end up getting so radical that their propositions can't stand up under their own weight and they essentially eat their tail. Now, those of us on the right and, and even center right and even mainstream really that are concerned about this radicalism, the, the issue is how much damage are they going to do a along the way, but they've painted themselves into such a corner, right? They have a uh, section on in this rule that it basically allows for women and then other minorities, including LGBTQ, right? So you might think, well, why not just have a category for trans women, men who identify as women? But of course they can't do that because their radical ideology says trans women are women. Right. So you can't have a set. You can't have a separate category. So it's got to be if, if a man identifies as a woman, that's that status that checks the, the woman block. And then we just go on from there. So there, there really is, I think, that frustration that you're talking about with uh, both just the administrative state, the deep state generally, but then also just with this ideology, this radical leftist ideology that's baked into this. And and, you know, you've got feminists basically tearing out their hair, as, as we see uh, all over the place now, where, you know, they've been fighting for all these women equality rights. And now they're told that, hey, if you're on the side of the leftists, you basically have to let men come into your sports, come into your locker rooms, come yeah, into your bathrooms exactly. and, and become woman of the year. And you have to celebrate that. Yeah. Shut up, ladies. Uh, everybody knows men are the best women. Um, yeah, it's absurd. 
When we come back, we got to take a real quick break just so we can get a headline in here, Stefan. But when we come back, I want to talk about some of these other. Now, we talked about the SEC, and this is crazy, and I hope you guys win this and it gets uh, tossed like it should. But there are other major corporations and major companies that are pushing this stuff. Hello, I'm thinking of Larry Fink. I'm thinking of BlackRock. I'm thinking of Vanguard. I'm thinking of these other major corporations that are pushing this DEI stuff. So when we take, uh, we're going to take a real quick break for headlines. And when we get back, Stefan, uh, I want you to address that. We're speaking with Stefan Padfield. He's with the Free Enterprise Project, Deputy Director. Uh, and we'll be back with State of the Nation right after this headline on TNT Radio. We interrupt this program. Here we go. This is huge, huge, huge news. Huge, huge, huge news. Huge. You need to listen to this. Now, TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak's public approval ratings have significantly declined, reaching the lowest point since he assumed office at Downing Street last year. Coalition Senator Dave Sharma has expressed concerns over the Australian Labour Party's decision to support a United Nations resolution calling for a ceasefire in the Middle East conflict. The U.S. Senate has approved the AUKUS legislation, a key step in facilitating the sale of at least three Virginia-class submarines to Australia. Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio. Okay, we're joined uh, by St- uh, by Stefan Padfield again. He is with the Free Energize uh, Free Energy Free Enterprise Project. <laughs> Sorry about that, Stefan, uh, Deputy Director there. Now we're talking about this insane SEC uh, initiative uh, to push this DEI stuff, and that's bad enough. But because uh, it seems to me that uh, almost every day, another three letter agency is getting involved in pushing these uh, agendas and these narratives down. Uh, Most people are very unwilling to accept this crap, but that's not going to stop them. But then we've got other private uh, industry. I mentioned BlackRock worth billions and billions of dollars. A lot of people have BlackRock in their 401ks. And you've got Larry Fink, and you've got uh, perfectly named, by the way. And uh, they are pushing this stuff too. What gives on this? Is this just a way, you think, by people like Larry Fink, uh, to to assure to ensure that he remains uh, liked by the uh, progressive cocktail party crowd. What is this all about? I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah, I'm I'm very fond of saying that if you try to understand how we got here, it's always more than one type of incentive, right? More than one group. So you've got essentially the true believers, right? So if we were just talking about sort of some of these gender issues, they truly believe that trans women are women and that drives their decision making. Uh, but then you've also got the opportunists. And I think there's a very good argument that folks like Larry Fink at BlackRock, you just follow the money, right? I mean, they were getting basically crushed on these in- index funds. Uh, And so all of a sudden they realize, oh, if we can get this ESG thing cooking, then we can charge some really uh, much greater fees on our funds that have the label ESG on it. And that's uh, a win for us. Uh, I think you've got Vivek Ramaswamy's book where he talks about how during the Occupy Wall Street movement, there was essentially a deal struck where Wall Street said, look, if you start com- uh, stop coming after us with your pitchforks, then we'll support your causes, right? Uh, you being the radical left in this case. And so this deal is made. And so we have some of these opportunists. We also have useful idiots, right? The people who look at phrases like diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, environment, right? And they think, well, what could be wrong with that, right? What could be wrong with Black Lives Matter? What could be wrong with anti-racism? And they just don't look under the hood 
hood. And with those folks, we just need to educate them on what's actually happening, how this stuff is basically just a Trojan horse for radical leftism. Um, and then you've got the cowards, right? And it's understandable because if you stick your head up in these environments and you say, uh, wait a minute, right? It, it isn't uh, basically this just racism, uh, you know, uh, flipped on its head, uh, you'll be canceled, right? And, and, and literally canceled, lose your job and so forth. So all of those types uh, are basically complicit or involved in getting us to the point where we're at. Um, and, you know, you mentioned the government, and it really is very clearly, and they say this expressly, a whole of government movement. And what's really frightening is this public-private partnership, just like we're talking about with the SEC and NASDAQ, this is ultimately fascism, right? I mean, people throw that word around all the time, but what it literally means is a totalitarian government, right? And total being in every aspect of your life. There's no private space anymore where you get to think or do what you want. Uh, and it basically says, oh, sure, we'll let the corporations and the, and the private property stuff go on as long as you do what we say you're going to, what we say you need to do, right? We'll let you keep the corporation, but you need to push this agenda. And so, Essentially, that's the direction we seem to be moving. And I remember talking to a leftist a while ago, uh, and I suggested what was going on was tyrannical. And they said, oh, you know, leftists don't have a tyrannical bone in their body. Well, it seems like the entire agenda is tyrannical. It's it's by definition totalitarian, tyrannical, uh, and fascist. So I think the explanation for how do these corporations end up doing what they're doing, it's multifaceted. It's the true believers, the opportunists, the useful idiots, and the cowards. And we need to really uh, push back and, and help uh, to some extent, all of them. Yeah. And, and by the way, th those are <laughs> those various groups are not necessarily mutually exclusive. I mean, I, I would say I would say most true believers are also useful idiots. But hey, that's just me. Um, I, I, I just I just I, I, you know, I, it seems to me and Stefan, you you, you kind of give give me your take on this. It, it, it does seem like we are kind of on the knife's edge here. And I think that people are starting to get fed up with this stuff, probably because we have many more sources get our information, including TNTradio.live, like we're on now. Uh, and there's other, you know, there's alternative media. And I think a lot of people are starting to wake up to this and say, you know what? I don't much give a damn about DEI because that's not going to help me put, uh, you know, food on the table. And I sure don't care about this, uh, this uh, pushing the energy and the green movement and all that. Do you think that we're we're at a tipping point with any of this? I mean, or or is this just going to be, I'm going to do what you say because that's how I'm going to make money? Because I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example, just anecdotally. Dave Chappelle, the comedian, they tried to cancel him, and he just stood up and said, "Screw you! I will not be canceled." And I think that's what we need people to do: just stand up and say, uh, "Pound sand." Uh, you know, I, I could, boy, if I, I could say a lot worse, but you know, screw you. I'm not going to, I'm not, I do. I will not abide. Is that what we need more and more of you think? I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic. I mean, we just basically went through a period where we saw Bud Light, Target, right? Disney is getting hammered. Uh, this uh, idea that I think was in place for quite a while, that these corporations in particular could just ignore their right of center customer base because somehow we were pro-business and we weren't really that into boycotting, right? And so they could just pander to the left and their leftist employees and the, the, the woke mob. Uh, those days are over. 
right? This is a, this is really hitting the bottom line in a way that we haven't seen before. In fact, we used to tell people at the Free Enterprise Project, we do most of our activism through shareholder proposals as a shareholder. And we would generally tell people, look, you can boycott, but that's really not that effective. Well, that's no longer what we're saying. We're saying it's great, boycott, it is effective, but also do what you can as a shareholder and supporting organizations like us and others uh, that are advancing uh, your values. So I do think there's reasons to be optimistic. I think you're absolutely right that people are just getting fed up. And again, I often say, you know, right of center or, or conservative, but it's not even right of center and conservative. It's mainstream people. It's independent thinkers who just are sick of having this stuff crammed down their throat. And they see that it's not a value proposition, right? They see that everything's terrible. The movies are terrible. Uh, the products are terrible. The corporations are losing money. I have this thing that I do every time I see a headline about how somebody just won some ESG award, some corporation, I immediately go and check their last 12 months returned. And I would say 80% of the time they're in the tank, right? And so they're touting <laughs> all this ESG sustainability stuff. Yeah. Well, you see, if somebody touts that, I don't do business with them. And I'll give you another anecdotal here, uh, Stefan. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I've noticed AARP. Now, I know they're not necessarily pushing ESG, but they've been all about DEI and they were uh, fully in the tank for Obamacare. This is a little bit off the subject, but it still kind of, I think, is relevant. Their ads are lately, you see some guy pretending to be a, a regular American. He goes, look, I may not always agree with the AARP, but I know they've got my back when it comes. And whenever I start seeing a company advertising with that starts out with, you may not always agree with us here at Anheuser-Busch or Walt Disney or pick your company of choice. There's a good chance that wokeness is leading to brokenness in those companies. Uh, and they're starting to pay a, f uh, a financial price for it. Well, I, yeah, I'd love to have you back on. I, this is the first time you've been on with me, and I, I really appreciate you, Stefan. And I hope you can come back and see us again real soon uh, and 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 uh, share more of this stuff. Where can we find you online? Obviously, Free Enterprise Project, but where can we find you on the socials, Stefan? Yeah, no, I would really enjoyed the conversation. I would love to come back. Uh, so our main site is nationalcenter.org. Uh, and then I'm also on X, uh, just Stefan Padfield. Uh, that's the, the at uh, Stefan Padfield. So you can follow me there as well. Okay. Stefan Padfield, thank you for your time today. We hope to talk to you again real soon. Have a wonderful time. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. Okay. Take care of yourself. Well, there he goes. Yeah, that's what we got to do, folks. We got to just say, hey, enough of this stuff. We're not taking it anymore. You're listening and watching State of the Nation on TNT Radio. We'll be right back after this. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Well, they're wrapping up the climate conference. And I got to tell you, folks, if these people do what they say they're going to do and what they're going to try to do, the world is in a lot of trouble. I have never seen such a gathering of sanctimonious know-nothings in my life. It makes what happens at the UN, which by the way is part of this, just go out of control. It's like it's on steroids. The biggest hypocrisy is claiming that you're going to do all this for the children of the world, your children and grandchildren. First of all, you are going to subject them to nothing but energy poverty the rest of their life. Secondly, most of these people that are supporting all this fossil fuel ending also support the termination of human life depending on what a mother wants to do. Now, I'm not going to get into the fact that this is a person's choice. I'm strongly pro-life. But what I am going to say is 
When you come out and say to me, I need to save the climate to save the children, and then you advocate for policies that won't even let those children be born, what does that say about what is inside of you? I want you to think about that because there's a common thread in all of this. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog Meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. to dance and dream of a better life, a brighter future, with nutritious food to eat, a chance to learn, to get an education, and do incredible things. Today, thanks to Children International and friends like you, she dances for the world. Together, we give children in poverty a chance to set their sights high and achieve their dreams by ensuring that they have access to health care, education, life skills, and more so they can grow, thrive, and believe in themselves. Gracias. Gracias. Learn more about Children International and join us in our life-changing work at children.org today. Critically analyzing national affairs, this is State of the Nation with Steve Hook and Brian McLean on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, our next guest is an absolute hero, and he's a real American patriot. I'm very proud to have worked with him at a Back to Blue event a few years ago in New Jersey, my uh, uh, my state. Uh, I played the role of MC. He was one of our special guests, and he had become an inspiration for many Americans that felt betrayed uh, by their political party of choice. And then he became a threat to the progressive left. And then he was hounded. And then he was jailed, at least in home. He was also set up by the feds during the events of January 6th. Uh, and uh, he's bouncing back now, joining us now, Brandon Straka, founder of the hashtag walkaway campaign. Brandon, it's great to see you, my friend. Um, thank you for joining us on State of the Nation, man. And it, you're looking good. Uh, let's talk about uh, let's talk about the walkaway campaign and how it's kind of coming back uh, after having to kind of go underground uh, for a bit. I saw your walk your walkacon presentation, the the uh, speech that you gave there, and I must say it was it was both funny and infuriating. And your ability to laugh at yourself uh, really uh, it really it really won me over. Uh, and then the way you just slap them down. Why don't you tell us about what's going on with you now? Sure. So, yeah, in in you know, we I started Walkway in 2018. Initially, we started as a Facebook group and a social media campaign, encouraging people to walk away from the Democratic Party and share their own testimonial videos and stories of walking away. And uh, phenomenally successful for two and a half years, uh, including turning into an organization traveling the country, doing live events, debates, town halls, marches, rallies, educational videos, et cetera. Uh, I was arrested in January of 2021 for standing on Capitol grounds on January 6th. And uh, at that point, my attorneys had advised me due to who I am and who was coming after me that the best thing that I could possibly do was to literally vanish, disappear, go, as you said, underground. And that's essentially what I did for about a year and a half as I worked my way through my case. Um, I did end up going to jail initially when I was FBI raided. Uh, but I think the fact that I did disappear is what allowed me to ultimately be able to plead to a misdemeanor 
and uh, do house arrest and I'm still on federal probation. So yeah, it's it's been then it's been a very rough uh last, you know, two or three years, but you know, the organization keeps driving forward for about the last year and a half. We got back out again, uh started doing more events, more rallies. Uh we launched our own social media platform, Walkaway Social, because our Facebook group was banned by Facebook after January 6th. Um but yeah, I mean, we're we're just, you know, in the fight and not giving up and I think people are starting to really notice again what we're doing and we have very big plans for next year. So I'm just, you know, I'm glad to still be here and still be in the fight. Well, we're glad to have you. And I got to tell you, I, I remember when your initial video came out, talk about going viral. I mean, it was absolutely, I remember I was at CPAC that year that it came out and that was the buzz all up and down media row was, have you seen this walk away video? And we know how it took off. And the thing that strikes me, Brandon, is that what they put you through absolutely kind of proved everything that you were complaining about. They proved it for you. I mean, yeah. it was a lot with a, with a lot of harm to yourself, no doubt. I'm sure hefty legal fees and everything else. But didn't they kind of just undermine their own narrative by reinforcing the what you were pushing? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> to say that they demonstrated what I was talking about is an understatement, honestly. I mean, it was, you know, when I left the left, I, I don't you think that even I maybe realized what they were capable of um, until I went through what I went through the last couple of years. And I mean, it's I never dreamed that I would be, you know, raided by the FBI and thrown in jail and accused of being a d domestic terrorist and an insurrectionist and a white supremacist and that I participated on in an attempt to overthrow the government. And I, I mean, it's it's so far fetched and so over the top, but it's it's frightening because this is the degree to which they've hypnotized people on the left. You know, I'm disappointed in the right because the right, I think, was incredibly silent. And only recently is the right beginning to stand up and speak out about January 6th and get some answers and get some truth. But, uh, you know, I I don't think I ever realized what the left was really capable until of until I went through what I went through the last. And I don't know if anyone did. You know, yeah, I mean, I think yeah. the reason why the right was so quiet is because they didn't they'd never seen anything quite like it either. Well, I I, I think the left absolutely hates conservatives and hates the right, but they hate nobody more than somebody who was of the left leaving. That is the biggest, they saved the most vitriol for people like you. You obviously became a threat to them because hashtag walk away just blew up. And at that point, I guess there's some uh, very nefarious folks decided to shut you down. I want to ask you about what, and you touch on this in the speech that I watched you give. And by the way, folks, if you haven't watched it, go check out Brandon's uh, X account and watch that speech because the video that you that you play the day after the 2016 elections is hysterical because you. you were, if anybody didn't think that Brandon was of the left, go watch the video. So your ability <laughs> to laugh about that is wonderful. But once you became, let's just say, open to the truth, then you became a threat. And then you mentioned in that speech, the media. I want to talk mm -hmm. about the right too. I want to talk about the RNC. I want to get into Rona McDaniel and all that, but let's focus on the media. Yeah. What did the media do to you? And what have they so, done? What, frankly, what have they done to the country? Right. Well, well okay. So 
when I started Walk Away, which again was uh, late May of 2018, uh, it, it, as you pointed out, it just exploded uh, in those first initial months. And it was so uh, just ubiquitous in the news. I mean, it was everywhere. And so the left naturally had to come up. They, you know, they ignored it as long as they could. And it got to the point where they had to talk about it. So rather than acknowledge what was happening. And again, I remind people, I mean, we're talking about a movement where people are sharing their own stories, creating videos. So this is it's pretty it's pretty irrefutable what was happening. But what they chose to do instead was say that there was a viral movement that was exploding, but that it was Russian propaganda and that it was uh, something that was cooked up by Vladimir Putin and that uh, if if people were seeing the walkaway hashtag and walkaway stories, they shouldn't believe them because it was you know, these were fake Russian bot accounts. These were uh, paid actors, Shutterstock models. I mean, it, like literally anything you could think of to invalidate the real stories of real people talking about why they were walking away. And initially, I thought it was actually I, mean, I thought it was kind of funny. I mean, it was frustrating because, you know, it's it's a pretty cool thing to create something that really grabs hold in the culture. And, you know, yes, I would have liked to have gotten the credit for that. And, you know, even if they didn't like my political message or what I stood for, I, I think just to acknowledge, you know, wow, this this person did something that's kind of remarkable. But you know, so I, I didn't appreciate being invalidated that way, but I did think it was a little bit funny. Um, but it wasn't until years later. And in fact, through the Twitter files uh, over the last year, year and a half and what we've learned, that I started to discover that it wasn't the left-wing media that made up these stories. These stories were actually being created by people within our own CIA. That's where it originated. And um, so it was government actors who created the story that Walk Away was a Russian disinformation campaign. Jeez, and then that was fed to the media and the media ran with it. Yeah. And of course, you know, we, we, you can't say that without it. I immediately, when you say that CIA, I immediately think of the 51 uh, former CIA and Intel officials that signed this letter that the, the, the Hunter laptop looks like Russian disinformation. That's kind of, they go to that well a lot. You yep. became, yeah, you, you obviously became a threat to them politically. Uh, and so they felt they had to take you down, but you also made mention of the fact that you felt abandoned by the right. And I absolutely see where you're coming from there. Uh, I think that I think that once you were linked to January 6th, last time you were on with us, uh, you had made mention of the fact that you never even stepped foot inside the Capitol. You never witnessed any uh, violence. You certainly didn't uh, partake in any violence. But once your name was linked to January 6th, you kind of became a pariah, didn't you? Yeah, exactly. And yeah, so I never engaged. I was never even accused of engaging in any violence any vandalism, any theft, any destruction, or of having entered the Capitol. So I was never even accused of that. But it, it's it's tragic, really. I mean, it's very tragic because uh, my story was literally the perfect story for the right-wing media to expose early on what was going on with Janu <clears throat> January 6th because my criminal behavior was all all stemmed back to a video that I shot myself and then I, I I intentionally uploaded to social media. So I was outside of the Capitol for eight minutes shooting a video. I uploaded that video to Twitter. That's the video that got me arrested. But see what happened was the FBI said that voices and you could hear on my video, you hear voices in the crowd shouting different things. 
And so what the FBI did was said that I was the person shouting all of these things. And then they charged me with crimes based off of those words. So there's so many layers to the crazy of it, because anybody who watches my video can clearly hear that it's not my voice, clearly. Yeah. But in addition to that, even if it is my voice, these are crimes like because they said that I was uh, inciting people to go in the building and that I was inciting people to pass around a police officer's shield. And they charged me with felonies for that. And I'm thinking to myself, even if I did those things, that's a felony. I mean, think about the number of times Black Lives Matter mobs of people were standing around. Some people were actually assaulting police officers, but they were surrounded by people that were like, yeah, yeah, do it, do it. Do you think they yeah. charged all those people with felonies uh, yeah. that stood out shouting things? You know, and mind you, that's, I'm saying if I did that, but the point is that, you know, I, I had been uh, a, a person who had repeatedly been a guest on Fox news and a number of other things. If they had taken 10 minutes to look at my video, and and go, but wait a minute, that's not you. I, I mean, yeah. it, so much could have been revealed years ago, but yeah. you know, people didn't want to touch it. Well, you know, Brandon, I tell you what, it's it's it speaks to your your uh, your um uh, character that you would say, you know what, I may have been put through the ringer, but by God, I'm still in the fight. I just admire the hell out of you for doing that. And yeah, I th I think that you know people became radioactive. I, uh, January sixth was used as a, as a cudgel against so many people. Hell, we just heard a couple of weeks ago that they still plan on arresting people for January 6th. Oh, yeah. So they're still trying to play off on this uh, uh, on this sham. It was, you know, there may have been a bunch of idiots in January 6th, but there were also a lot of patriots that were just there. You were one of them. And uh, they, they've tried to weaponize that against uh, for so long. And now we're starting to see some of this video of cops inside there that were wearing MAGA hats, high-fiving other cops. And, and and the truth about January 6th is slowly but surely starting to get out. I don't suspect you're going to get an apology from the DOJ or the FBI anytime soon, certainly not from the CIA. But has any have any other conservative outlets started to reach back out to you? Are you starting to make the rounds again now that people are starting to see the sham of the January 6th? Uh, Honestly, not re not really. I mean, the the uh, the outlets that stood by me have continued to stand by me, and the outlets that had turned their backs on me have so far not reached out again. So, you know, I want to say, you know, Newsmax never uh, they were there for me from the very beginning. Um, you know, opened their doors to me the the moment I reached out to them and said I can start talking again, uh, and they've never you know, shut their doors in any way, shape or form. So I've had a great relationship with them. OAN, a number, you know, so there've been a number of them that were there for me, but uh, the ones who said, uh, no, you're, you're, you're on our naughty list. Uh, as far as I know, I'm still on the naughty list. So, and it's really, gonna, it's, so, it's, it's, it's so stupid because if they were listening to their audience, like this is not what their audience wants. Like the, I, none of my followers turned on me because of January 6th. And in fact, my following has grown. None. So people aren't going, oh, we're going to turn off your network if you have that Brandon Strzok on. I mean, people are going like, no, we want to hear from this guy. We want to know the truth. We want to know what's going on. So there's literally no risk. But no, I guess they, yeah. they haven't found their courage yet. Well, hopefully they will.
I mean, hopefully they will. You're, you, you know, you are always welcome on TNT radio. Uh, and, and I hope Thank that you. this is just a continuing, uh, you know, a continuing, we can book you, uh, in perpetuity because I really admire what you've done. Now let's talk about, we've only got about a minute or two left here. So, uh, but you mentioned the RNC, not just the right-leaning media, but RNC, Rona McDaniel in particular. Have you heard anything from any of these folks? No, never have uh, in five wow. and a half years. Um, you know, in five and a half years, we have gotten hundreds of thousands of people to walk away from the Democratic Party, share their stories. Uh, we've done events around the country for the Black, Hispanic, LGBT, Jewish communities. Uh, yeah. We've done live debates, marches, rallies. I mean, this has been a massive movement and never once has anyone in the RNC said, hmm, maybe there's some talent here we should follow up with. Well, that's uh, their but, loss, Brandon. I, yeah. we, we got the music that's telling me to shut up. I just want to get the website in again and your social. It's walkawaysocial.com. To load our app, walkawaysocial.com. If people want to learn more about the movement, go to walkawaycampaign.com. And of course, follow me on all socials, including X and Facebook. Brandon Straka, God bless. Thank you for doing what you do. We hope to have you on again real soon. You have a wonderful day. And I thank you for watching and listening uh, to State of the Nation.